Cashflow Diary Podcast, episode 104. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. The podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leveraged streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here tuned in one more time. What we're going to talk about today is, well, cash flow. But you knew that because it's the Cash Flow Diary Podcast. I'm Jay Massey, your host, and I am so glad that you choose to invest your precious moments here with us. Again, remember the concept, return on time, return on time. And we hope that the time that you get listening to us definitely produces a very, very significant return. I think you're going to be interested today uh, to hear that, you know, it doesn't really matter how young, how old, how whatever you are, it doesn't matter what it is that you're looking to do. You can only be limited by your thinking. And we have today an individual who has managed in a very, very, very short period of time to control over $7 million, hear the number, $7 million worth of real estate, and he uses apartment buildings. And you guess what? I'm not talking about me. So uh, you are not interviewing me today. We are interviewing Mr. Joe Fairless. He also has a podcast out there, and he does things completely differently than I do. So this is going to be awesome uh, to understand him and talk about it because he started investing in single family homes, but we all did that, right? Uh, but he, and he did started in 2009 and he was working as, as an ad man in New York. And that I find interesting first and I need to get myself over to New York someday. But he made the switch to apartments because he realized he could achieve his financial goals faster because he could buy more homes at once. And that's homes in quotation marks, if you think about it. And we all know that I agree. And what's interesting is that he was able to close on a 168-unit apartment community worth over $6.7 million in July of 2013. And he did it by raising the capital, a man after my own heart. Please help me welcome Mr. Joe Fairless. Joe, you there? I am here. What a wonderful introduction. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks a lot, Jay. I am glad that you are here. I've never been to you, Nork. I, I hear that it uh, they got good food. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> okay, so what's the favorite restaurant? Where do we where do we need to go to eat? Where's the good food at? Oh, well, you know, interestingly enough, I eat most of my meals at Subway restaurant. <laughs> I I uh but I would say my favorite bar is called Common Ground. It's on 13th Street Avenue A. And they have the best chicken quesadillas you'll ever eat. Got it. There it is. Now, man, you you about hurt me right there. I'm like, I can go to Subway in California. And you're telling me, I'm like, what? <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not the best person to ask about that because I always, I always eat plain Jane stuff. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I'm, I, you know, I, I too am that person who, who, if I, if. It wasn't necessary to live. I probably wouldn't eat. Whereas my wife, it's an experience with every meal. So it, I, I totally understand. Yep, I'm the same way. Yeah, it, it's there just because I have to. <laughs> Got it. So let's get down to business here. When it comes to you know cash flow and entrepreneurship, one of the things that I like to, to look at and think about is the fact that uh, I look at today's entrepreneurs. Today's entrepreneurs, as we all know, in my opinion, are like yesterday's superheroes. You know, we put on capes, we put on tights, possibly have a mask, uh, and, and we go around saving people. But we, we all started somewhere else. We all started from a different beginning than who people see us as today uh, when we're out there wearing our superhero uniform. So what, what I want to know is I want to know about the Joe that was working at the ad agency. I want to know about the Joe that decided one day and just woke up and said, you know what, enough of this and I've got to move to something else. Who is Joe Fairless? Well, I would say I've always been uh, competitively driven. 
I graduated from Texas Tech in 2005. I I had only been to New York City once, and that was whenever I was really young, like 11 or 12 years old, because one of my brothers, he graduated from West Point, and he's a lieutenant colonel in the Army now. And so I'd been up to West Point, New York, which is pretty close to New York City, a long time ago, and I was terrified by it. And I never, ever, ever wanted to live in New York City until... I determined that advertising was going to be my major. And the only reason I wanted to, I moved to New York City is because I wanted to compete with the best of the best. My plan was to move up to New York, uh, spend about five years in New York City working in ad agencies, then move back down to Texas, where I'm from. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, and have my resume be at the top of the pile um, and you know move my career along that way. Um, so... Everything that you know that I I do um, is really uh, previously it was my competitive spirit and competing with others. Now that has evolved. The more personal development stuff I read, and the more you know I I get into that, it's it's I'm competing against myself, um, and I'm being the best that I can be. And I don't necessarily worry about what others are doing um, competitively. I'm I'm more focused on myself. So I would say, you know, it's it's really about um, doing the best that I can do um, personally, and then you know, setting big time, crazy, ridiculous goals, and you know, just just uh, figuring out how the heck I can achieve those goals. <laughs> Got it. I like the big time, crazy, ridiculous goals. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but this idea of competing with the best of the best, I, I mean, I've, we've all heard it said, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Are you saying that's true? Well, I mean, I, I would say there's, there's for advertising in particular, uh, there's a perception that the best of the best work in New York City um, in advertising. And uh, whether that perception is correct or, or not, because I haven't worked in other cities, uh, I, I know that there's that perception. And a lot of the time, perception um, tends to be what people perceive to be the truth. Um, so it really doesn't matter what the truth is. It's all about perception. And I do know that it is certainly competitive in New York City. And you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of talented, talented people. And uh, that actually helped me get investors for the my the deal that, that you mentioned um, just through the advertising experiences and the people that I met who were doing well here and wanted to diversify their you know their portfolio okay so let's talk about that one day you're out there you're looking at it you're designing you know billboards movie posters coming up with catchy slogans staying up late at night and eating bad food at subway uh, and then the <laughs> next night you just go you know what I want some real estate. How, what on earth inspired that transition? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I remember in, uh, well, if anyone knows the advertising industry, you'll, you'll know that you don't make any money when you're starting out. And in fact, it's pretty much below minimum wage when you factor in all the hours that you're working, <laughs> which you alluded to. And living in New York City, that was even... Uh, harder, uh, you know, challenge because the cost of living is a lot higher than other cities. So I had to, um, and I didn't have any money coming out of college. So I had to, I had to wait and save up um, money. Once I had a thousand dollars, I didn't know what the heck to do with it. So I, I went to my bank and I uh, saw something called a CD. I'd never heard of it. Didn't know what the what what the heck it was. Uh, and there, it was. I think it was like 1.5 percent interest for a 12 month CD. And I was like, well, that's more than I'm making my savings account now. Um, so I, I guess I'll do that. After they held my money hostage for 12 months, 12 very 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 long months is my only thousand um, dollars. I got a check in the mail for I think 18 dollars. And and then I got taxes taken out of that whenever the taxes <laughs> came. I was like, there, I remember standing on the street corner in New York City, and the world was just like slow motion, and I was like doing a 360, just turning around like you'd see in a movie. I was like, there's got to be a better way. So I read, my sister's a real estate agent in, te in Texas, and she sent me Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read that book, ate it up, and then I just kept reading more and more. I didn't have enough money at the time to invest in real estate, but I saved up, ended up saving up enough money for my first single family home. 
Um, and you know, I, I bought, ended up buying four single-family homes. Um, at that point in time, I was like, all right, I like this real estate thing. I was also teaching classes on the side in New York City, teaching people how to invest in um, cash-flowing properties, living in New York City, but investing in markets where the numbers make sense. Um, and I, I saw that you know, the, the opportunity was to, one, do something that I cared more about, and then two, do something that generated wealth for me versus my employer. And that's whenever I started looking at um, apartments, because as you, know, you mentioned in the intro, it's, you can buy four homes um, separately, or you can buy quote unquote four homes in one purchase if it's a fourplex. That's what that's what really got me intrigued about the scalability of apartments. And I I ended up you know working at an agency. I was the youngest vice president of an ad ad agency up here that's really really um, uh, well known. And I I realized I was like this just. I don't want to do what my boss is doing. This just isn't for me anymore. Um, so I I left. I left in um, December of 2012, and it it um, I, I actually didn't think I was going to do apartments full time. I thought I was going to be a career coach, and I thought I would do apartments on the side. Um, but once I left, I was like, oh, wait, wait a second. I can't get approved for a mortgage anymore. Um, <laughs> so now I have to bring in investors, um, which completely flipped the business model um, and actually created a business. Uh, and, and that's where I, you know, I, I started speaking with investors and um, the career coach thing, uh, my business model and I use that term very loosely because there wasn't one, was to try and it was to consult college students and young professionals in the marketing and advertising industry to help them get promoted faster because I was uh, promoted very quickly relative to my age and um, the amount of experience that I had. And um, what I failed to realize in that business model, quote unquote, was that uh, College students who are majoring in advertising going into the industry can't pay for a consultant. No. Um, so, so I, I quickly uh, that business quickly flopped, and I transitioned into uh, apartment investing full time. And fortunately, it worked out really well. Got it. Got it. So there are so many things in there that I I want to to pick on. Uh, the first uh, I think, which was great, and I I love how you phrased it, is that that. The, we could probably write a book called The Longest 12 Months of Your Life, you know, when you were holding on to that CD, wondering. And then especially when you realize that what what 1.5% was, and it speaks to the idea that financial education is missing. Uh, and you you went to college, you went to high school, but yet something as simple and or basic as what's a CD was still foreign to you. Yeah, I I didn't know. I didn't know what to do with my money. Yeah, so th we invest all this significant time in learning how to go, you know, create value in the marketplace or at least get a job. And then we end up with the cash, but we don't know what to do with it. So what was in the Rich Dad book that gave you the confidence to say, you know what, I I'm going to go buy a house? I think it was the case studies. And I th I think it was just you know the the psychology behind the the fundamentals of real estate and cash flow and um the different shift in 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 mindset of what an asset and what a liability is uh because you know i i think the the main takeaway that i i got from it was it's possible hmm. it's it's possible to do this um the the book uh, makes it uh, very simple um, to follow, and I came away thinking, okay, I know that it's possible. Now I need to uh, have some money in order to uh, act on it, and that those were my next steps. I saved up you know, money for, um, I think, four years before I actually could purchase my first house. Got it. So now, and during that period when at that four year mark when you were ready to write the offer 
How did you deal? Because I, I get this a lot, especially for the the people that I work with. They're like, you know what, Jay? I, I just can't bring myself to write that first offer. It's very. I, I'm like, well, why not? They're like, I don't know. I just can't do it. How, how? Why didn't you get stuck there? That's not my mentality. For every, I'm just not wired that way. If if something makes sense, if I'm educated enough, uh, so that the numbers make sense to me and uh, I've done the due diligence that I that I know of, and I also um, have people who uh, have experience in doing what I'm doing, and they say, "Yeah, this looks pretty good. I'm going to do it." Um, <laughs> it it's it's I, I've always been a trigger puller. If uh, if something makes sense for me, uh, I, I I certainly won't hesitate. But it has to. There there's a lot of stuff boiling, you know, leading up to that point that um you know that that helps me arrive at that you know pulling the trigger moment yep uh, agreed agreed so in the process of going through you know getting leading up to that trigger point moment actually doing it I, i'm kind of curious if you can timeline this for me you said it took about four years to get the first one after that first one how long did it take you to get numbers two three and four uh let's see 2000, I think 2009, I bought my first place. It's, interestingly, I was approved for a a mortgage in January, and I was ready to rock. Like I, I was, I was ready to go. Let's make this happen. I didn't purchase my first house until October. It took me 10 months to purchase the first house, and uh, in between those 10 months, I lost earnest money um, through my mistake uh, and my broker's mistake. And that there were some major learning moments between you know those 10 months. So even though I was ready and raring to go, it took me uh, almost a year to finally close my first place. After I closed my first place, I purchased my next place two years later, and then the next one uh, a year later, and then the next one like three months after that, I believe. Yeah. And that's exactly what I thought. I I had a feeling it was going to be something like that to where, and I find it interesting because you bring up a topic of losing earnest money. That's definitely something that people were afraid of. Uh, How did you, what happened? How did that happen? And how did you decide to keep going? Because sometimes when we make a mistake, we turn around and go home. And that's a significant chunk. I think it was, I want to say it was a thousand dollars. And whenever you have you know, fifteen to twenty thousand dollars total to invest, I mean that's a large percentage of of the amount of money um, that you've got to for a place. Um, we we lost earnest money because there. Well, it was definitely on us because earnest money should not ever 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 be lost. <laughs> uh, now I know this, but we we lost it because there's some sort of financing contingency that wasn't in place and it was taking long to get financing. It's actually a little fuzzy to me exactly why I lost it. I just know the takeaway is that it will never be lost again because the contract is going to be um, reviewed by an attorney and uh, team members that I have and it's just, it won't happen. Got um, it. But it, it's, you know, as far as you know, keep on going. It's it's for me. It's just a matter of whatever. I mean, that happens. What can I learn from it, and how can I apply that to the the next opportunity so that the next opportunity is um, bulletproof? And you know, I, I take those learnings and um, you know, keep my back pocket for you know anything else that comes up. Agreed. As I've said before, you do your first deals for experience, not profit, and then later you get to profit from your experience, which clearly you've done because. I like to just want to point out the fact that it then it went from four years down to two years, down to one year, then to three months. And now I've got to ask how long after that fourth house before you got the apartment building? Uh, let's see. I think it was two years. Got it. Maybe so, maybe a little bit less. So you went from four to 168. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's some growth rate. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, even on Wall Street, they they're hoping for those kinds of numbers. Uh, so, did, what 
gave you the courage to actually write that unit and, and, and learn to go out there to, you know, syndicate deals or, you know, we, there are many terms for it, but what, what gave you the courage to go, you know what? Uh, I can be the person who can go out there and ask people a for their money and then buy a building that's larger than anything I had thought of before. Yeah. Well, I, I think for, for me, it's, it's about, um, knowing that it's first off it's possible but two having the right team members in place to um help me along the way but really to to make the mental leap from four four homes to overseeing being the managing member of an LLC that controls a 168 unit apartment community even i with my unreasonable expectations of myself um could not have made that leap unless it was almost forced on me, which it was. Um, and by that, I mean, I was looking at 20 to 30 unit apartment buildings in the range of about a million dollars because I thought I could raise conservative, well, actually aggressively, I could raise about 200 to 250, $300,000 from people I know, uh, no family members, I don't have a rich uncle, just people I know professionally who are not related to me, um, who just know how I operate. And after, after looking at some, a lot of places, actually, for about three, four months, I still hadn't found the right opportunity. And then uh, my, uh, someone on my team reached out to me and he said, hey, I've got this apartment community. It's in Cincinnati. It's 168 units. There might be some opportunity here for you. And I was like, whoa, that is, I don't know how, like five times larger than I had envisioned doing. But then after he showed me that, uh, you know, I, on my wall in my bedroom, I keep a, you know, a goal sheet. After he showed me that, and after I was uh, mentally and emotionally excited about it, I, I couldn't go any lower. I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't look at the, the other stuff. So I was like, okay, there's got to be a way for this deal. As long as the numbers make sense, as long as the numbers work, there's a there's a way that I can pull this off. And um, the deal initially, I I thought I needed to raise, you know, I think it was four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And I was like, wow, that's double from what I need. But whatever, I'll just find a way to do it. Then turns out I ended up needing the raise when the, when the, all was uh, when the dust settled 1.3 million, <laughs> and fortunately I was going. It was it was like you know uh, there was a carrot right out in front of me. I'd get a nibble of the carrot, then it'd be a little bit farther, a little bit farther, and every nibble you know I had of that carrot, I I progressed mentally and on paper with the amount of investors. But if I had initially been presented a deal where I was like, okay, 168 units, 1.3 million, go. I'd be like, no, <laughs> I, I don't think so. Uh, but it was, it was a step-by-step process. And now, you know, I, I'm looking at opportunities after this 168 where, you know, the 168 doing the same thing doesn't really get me excited. So I'm, I'm looking at more development opportunities on a larger scale. Exactly. Now, I often have said to people, go as far as you can see. When you get there, then you'll see further. But you had to also make successive decisions because in each one of those stage, stages, as you said, uh, the, the, the carrot kept being moved. And when that, when you recognize that the carrot was moved, that's an opportunity. Some people say, you know what? Uh, I don't know where this is going to end or if it's going to end. And I'm afraid it's going to just keep going and I'm never going to get there. So I quit. Why do you think you continued? Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's seriously a, an emotional roller coaster. Just, it, it is ridiculous the amount of emotional, and psychological um, just up and downs that I had in this. I mean, it, I left my job. I'm venturing into a new industry. I invest in single-family homes, but, but 
for you know you I know you know this Jay and for everyone else who's invested in single families and also large apartment communities it's it's a different type of person you're dealing with different type of number analysis all that so you know I I was learning in a new industry learning a new trade and I didn't have uh any money other than the money I'd saved and the cash flow from the homes which is you know about a couple hundred bucks a piece um and I'm living in New York City it was it, it was very stressful. Um, I also, you know, had investors. I had two investors who uh, backed out at the uh, last minute, awesome. where I had I had to raise over two hundred thousand dollars in about two weeks, bef- right before we close. We were closing. Now I've learned um, on future deals how to avoid that and specifically you avoid that by raising more money than you think you need and then the people who are in line um you, you let them know they're in line they're not in but should something change with the people who are in then they can be in um so i i know how to avoid that in the future but i didn't know how to avoid that then and it was i you know i remember being in a, a days in a hotel in Cincinnati thinking, what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> uh, my computer had just overheated and broke. Uh, nice. I had just had one investor say, I need to have an appraisal done. Um, and I was running out of money. And it was, it was just a, a crazy experience. Um, but I remember thinking, what would a billionaire do right now? Hmm. And after I thought, what would a billionaire do right now? I was like, you know what? The billionaire would have the long-term vision. The billionaire would find a way to get the appraisal. The billionaire would find a way to position it um, so that this is an opportunity. And that's what I did. I found a way to get the appraisal. It appraised. We we purchased it for 6.35. It appraised for uh, 6.7 and change. So that appraisal... So help solidify all the investments because my investor was like, oh, wow, we've already got going into it, you know, about $400,000 worth of equity. And with that shift in, in, uh, in, in mindset, I mean, you know, I know you're a big proponent of, you know, personal development and I didn't know uh, how important it was until I got into something like this and, uh, I got, you know, I, I know basically every tone, Tony Robbins quote. I know, um, you know, Zig Ziglar, all, all the uh, Les Brown, um, you know, I, I, I just love that stuff and I soak it up. And without that, uh, I, I wouldn't have gotten to where I'm at. I wouldn't have closed on the deal. No, no, no doubt in my mind uh, because I needed that type of support. I needed those audio CDs. I needed, um, you know, I actually get, have a uh, Tony Robbins life coach who helped me along the way. And I didn't have any money really to, to pay him, but I found a way to charge it on credit cards and it turned out to be a really good investment. Excellent. I, I think there are so many lessons in the way that this was taken down and it's, and I'm glad that, you know, uh, we get another perspective because oftentimes what we must do is we worry, did we make the right decision? And I often say, uh, you make a de- you you make a decision and then you work to make it right and that's a lot of what you've you've done here uh, because you you will never out earn your personal growth and so let me ask this question think the the Joe today I'm going to guess you would say is different uh, than the the Joe that was working at the advertising agency what I'd love to know is what do you think you learned? in this process that you could attribute to you having to grow and become a bigger, better, better version of yourself. Are you tired of letting good cash flow generating ideas go to waste? Go to cashflowdiary.com forward slash ready to apply for a complimentary. Yes, that means free one-on-one breakthrough session. Take action now. Go to cashflowdiary.com forward slash ready. Again, that's cashflowdiary.com forward slash ready. Before we get back to today's episode of the Cashflow Diary podcast, your host, Jay Massey, has some important insights to share with you. 
All right, guys, it's been an awesome time so far, just continuing uh, to grow and become something different. You know, you probably figured out already. One of the biggest secrets that you can do is become, like I said, a bigger, better, badder you. That's called personal development, something that you may want to continue to seek out and do in various different forms, because everything that you believe that you currently want is on the other side of the new you that you have not yet to meet. So continue to do that. Continue to push forward. And and I think you hear that in a lot of the conversations that I have and that we get to hear from all the entrepreneurs is how they were something and they become something else. And you want to put on your superhero outfit. You know how that's going to happen? It's going to happen one book at a time. It's going to happen one investor investment at a time. It's going to happen one new relationship at a time. I said this over the weekend to some people and I say it to you. You are one, how many? One relationship away from all of the things that you've been looking for to have happen. Let's get back to the interview. What have what have I learned in this process? Um, I mean, I, I would say that it's important to, and this is a Tony Robbins saying, but it's important to, um, you know, there's an outer world and an inner world, and you can't control the outer world. You can only control the inner world. And I wholeheartedly believe that nothing has meaning until we give it meaning. Mm-hmm. Whenever you know, what, whatever I'm saying to you know your your wonderful audience, it, it doesn't mean anything until each of them decide to interpret it based on what's most applicable to them and based on their life experiences, based on where they're at, based on, you know, if they're watching TV or listening to this or driving or whatever it is. <laughs> and that, that's, you know, that, that's the same approach that um, I, I, I take now. And I didn't take before where I, I let the outer world influence me um, more so uh, I've always been a level-headed kind of guy, but um, just from a r- emotional roller coaster where you know there's a lot of highs, a lot of lows, um, I, I've let the I, I've I've kind of tamed that a lot, where it's just really highs and the lows can be turned into opportunities. You know, I have uh, just my notes in my phone are just a list of quotes that I come across. And, um, you know, that's, that's the type of stuff that I wasn't doing before that I am now. Got it. Got it. So would you, uh, I too, uh, love to collect quotes, uh, cause you never know when you're going to need one, uh, uh, share with <laughs> us if you would, uh, some of your, the ones that you find yourself referencing most frequently. The secret to living is giving Tony mm. Robbins said that in his Ted talk, um, where he gave Al Gore a high five, highly recommend checking that out if if uh, anyone hasn't seen that. Um, And then, you know, help enough people get what they want and you'll get everything that you want, Um, which ties into service to many leads to greatness. And I I, I believe that service to many leads to greatness. If, um, you know, I'm on the alumni advisory board at Texas Tech, I'm going to be teaching a class in Lubbock, Texas on client management. I say yes to uh, everything. You know, I'm on a flag football team, on three softball teams. <laughs> I've got my own business. I'm writing a book. I've, you know, I've, I'm running this 168 unit or overseeing this 168 unit property, working on my next deal. Um, I'm constantly reading books. So I, I believe that if I help enough people get what they want, then I'm going to be taken care of as long as I um, do it as uh, I do it on purpose, as long as I'm doing what is uh, genuine to what I'm supposed to be doing and my interest and what I'm passionate about. And I believe I'm here on this earth to help others achieve financial and professional success. And I, I, that's, what, that's my filter. Um, what I do is filtered through that. And as long as I'm doing that, then, um, you know, I'm going to be all right. So that's why those three quotes are, are most important and resonate most with me. Now, whenever things are going down and it's tough and the problem comes where maybe an investor backs out, then I go back to, um, you know, a problem isn't happening to me. It's happening for me. 
And once I understand, okay, what can I, how can I make an opportunity? How, how can I make this problem uh, an opportunity? Then uh, I shift my mentality. You know, Tony, Tony talks about uh, the first thing he says whenever a problem comes is, uh, what's great about this? <laughs> you know, it's like, what's great about losing $200,000 from investors two weeks before you're closing? What's great about it? Well, what's great about it is it expands the network. It expands the opportunity for others to get in. And um, then the second question he asks is, what's, per- what's not perfect yet? Well, what's not perfect yet is I don't have the money, but uh, here's what I'm going to do to get there. And so it's just, it's just a shift in mentality. Excellent. Totally agreed. So with all of these shifts in mentality, uh, you know, one of the things that I was uh, listening to you, I think what we need to do is that we, we, we're going to all have to get together and help you get some sleep, my friend. <laughs> I, what, I, I, I watch documentaries on Donald Trump and Tony Robbins and everyone else, and they don't sleep. Um, who, what, 50 Cent? He doesn't sleep. You know, and, and no, nobody sleeps. It's and I I do sleep. I mean, joke, jokes aside, I I I take you know I I probably I I try to wake up as early as possible. Um, so like you know six thirty seven a.m., which is incredible. And that's another big shift uh, that I had from my advertising days when I was working for another company. I'd stroll into work at nine forty five ten a.m. I'd leave at nine forty five ten p.m. but it was just it was a different type of mentality but now i'm getting up early i'm excited about the day i exercise in the morning and then i just keep on working just through the night <laughs> <laughs> no doubt no doubt you keep entrepreneurs hours is really what you're saying totally yes. understood so now the i guess the the next question uh that that comes to mind is in this transformation what do you think are some of the basic things someone would need to do first and in any particular order uh, to be able to make the similar steps that you've made? How do they get out of their job and then become that entrepreneur, that real estate investor, that syndicator? And it sounds like uh, that soon to be author. How do they do that? I think you've got part A and part B. Yeah. Part A psychology part b tactics i think uh first you invest in your mind your education uh, read as many books as possible about from a personal development psychology standpoint uh, biographies on people who are successful and how do they operate what makes them tick how do they approach business how do they approach certain and similar situations uh, from you know, jumping from one industry to another, or one venture to another, and learn from them. Secondly, and continually do that. Uh, secondly, uh, from the the B standpoint, the tactics. The best advice I can think of is to find those who are successfully doing what you want to do, and model after their success. I mean, I, I had a mentor, and I still do, um, Peter Harris. He wrote the book Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies. And he helped me learn the industry, and he helped me close on this deal. And, um, you know, without having someone who is uh, guiding me through the process, it's very difficult. And that, I think that's applicable not only if you're you know, going from full-time job to apartments, but full-time job to you know, wholesaling or flipping or whatever, uh, finding someone who is actively and successfully doing it to help you along the way um, is, is the approach I would take. I mean, I, I, I hear some people say, ah, I don't want to pay for a mentor. Well, that's fine. Um, perhaps there's other ways to um, exchange value with with the mentor but ultimately you know there's going to be have to be some sort of value exchange taking place in order for you know both sides to feel like they're you know making a good use of their time and um, it's great to read but uh, and it's great to participate in blog forums and everything else like that but ultimately it's about this business is about relationships 
it's all about relationships. We've got two other things I'd say that are important with real estate, in my opinion, leverage. So how do you leverage? Our, and I, Jay, I, I know since you've been on my my show, I know that you love the the leverage aspect of of real estate <laughs> and leveraging e- equity, um, leverage, creativity, because there's always a solution to the you know the problem. Um, for example, you know the 168 units that was on LoopNet, but it was on LoopNet for a very long time under certain financing conditions. But we we uh, approached it differently and creatively and were able to acquire it. Um, and then the third um, is relationship. So I, I think, you know, having a one-on-one relationship with um, someone that you can go to and help walk you through step-by-step is uh, the number one thing I would recommend from a tactic standpoint. Got it. Now, you you mentioned something that I think and I like that's very interesting to me. Uh, you said some people don't want to quote unquote pay for the mentor. And, and, and when you say that, I assume you mean, you know, exchanging actual cash or some sort of currency, uh, in exchange for the mentor or mentor's time, etc. My, uh, but yet there's still an exchange of value, which in my world is still payment. So I'm curious to understand what would you consider to be some of those other forms of exchange of value that would be able to be worth a, a mentor's time and attention? I think it depends on the type of real estate that the two individuals are focused on. Because if it's wholesaling, then you could have someone doing your marketing and uh, you know being quote unquote a bird dog and finding properties being uh, you know the person who is fielding all the phone calls initially, you know doing all the initial upfront work. And then they would, you know, get a cut of the profit um, after, you know, after a deal's closed. Uh, you know, fix and flip. I've never done a fix and flip, so I won't even touch that category. Right. Um, for for apartments, you know, it de- it depends on where the uh, where the mentor is in his or her, uh, I guess, uh, career in in investing, because um, perhaps. The mentee lives in a market that the mentor wants to start buying in, then having someone actively going to the courthouse to identify uh, apartment owners who are always being uh, fined for health violations is an incredibly valuable asset because that apartment owner might be more motivated than other apartment owners who aren't getting fined for health violations to sell. And having someone on the ground who is l- driving around looking at uh, you know, potential acquisitions, um, or if you're not in acquisition mode, then if you are, in, but you have properties in that market, then it could be someone who is actively uh, marketing Perhaps it's five Craigslist posts a day, plus um, you know, p- passing out flyers on doorknobs of competing apartment communities to drive people <laughs> to your apartment community. I, I think I think there there are ways to do it, um, but it depends on ultimately you know what the what both of them makes what makes sense for both of them. And it depends on um, if the mentor already has those systems in place. And if so, then, you know, it would just be a monetary exchange. But, um, you know, I, I think there are ways of adding value um, in, in more um, physical, physical, uh, physical things. Um, it, you know, it just depends. You know, Joe, you're not supposed to give away our super secret technique of looking for all those code violations. And, oh, no. <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. That's why they listen for those super secret ninja secrets. Now they know. There you go. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so uh, hopefully they were listening and they took notes and they're like, ooh, that's a good one. But, and, and but, and you've, they've heard, you've heard me say before, you look for problems, not properties. And, and Joe just, clearly illustrated for you one way to find um problems instead of properties so there you go with 
all of this, you know, being the case, Joe, what's you said you in the beginning, you said big time, crazy ideas. So I've got to ask, what's next? You know, what's the new big time, crazy idea that's stretching you beyond belief that's more than you could possibly ask or imagine, but you're you're pursuing anyway? Well, I will control a billion dollars before my 40th birthday, and I am 32 right now. Um, so in my mind, I will control a billion dollars before my 40th birthday because I will add a billion dollars worth of value to the world, um, both from my investors and also for the residents uh, who live at my apartment communities and then also you know, the team members that I have on my team. Um, so specifically, what I'm focused on right now to help me get to that point is development. I've been working on a development deal for the last four months, and um, that's going. To, it's a you know after after the dust settles, it's going to be about uh, a little under 400 apartments. Um, it's very very early in the stage uh, in the in the process, um, and but it's a you know it's an off market deal. It's something that I don't have under contract yet, but we have a rock solid relationship with the seller. And um, that's the type of thing that I'm evolving towards. And, you know, I don't have development experience. And I recognize that. And I wouldn't raise a penny on a development deal if uh, it was just me. So I brought in another, in another team member who has tremendous amount of development experience. And he's going to be, you know, teaming up with me on this. Um, and that's my approach. That's how I will get to my goals um, because I always bring in people who have the wealth of experience and we partner on stuff. You know, uh, we, everyone's heard of, you know, what's, what's, uh, what's 100% of zero, right? Like zero. <laughs> and that's my approach because, you know, I believe that the, the more I can partner with people who um, bring uh, different skill sets to the table that, that I have, then we're going to be able to do more deals and everyone's going to benefit. Agreed. So for those that are listening and, and finding out about you for the first time but and have resonated with the conversation and want to be able to make those leaps, those jumps, etc., how do they find out more about you? Uh, you can go to my website. It's just my name, so super complicated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joe Fairless, J-O-E-F as in Frank, A-I-R-L-E-S-S dot com. And I have a blog there. Um, on the blog, you can check out uh, the podcast where uh, Jay was uh, nice enough to uh, allow me to interview him. It was um, just a couple, couple weeks ago, so it should be one of the top podcasts um, on the page. And um, check out more information on apartment investing and and uh, just psychology and all that good stuff. Excellent. And one last thing for those that are just now starting to, you know, on their journey and putting themselves out there as people who can provide solutions as it relates to providing clean, safe, affordable housing. What would you say to them, that person who's listening, that maybe to the old Joe who is still sitting at the desk and working late nights, what would you say to them today, knowing what you know now? Well, I would, I would say the first and foremost, before you jump into something full-time, you'll need to know your why. And not only why are you doing it, but um, how will it benefit you how will it benefit others? So what's the ripple effect? Once you, once you know that, I mean, we as human beings have an amazing capacity to just overcome anything. We can accomplish anything. It's just a matter of how inspired are we and why are we doing it? That's why, you know, whenever a uh, you know, family has a child for the first time and they're not making a lot of money, all of a sudden they're able to provide for another mouth. The child doesn't starve. Why is that? Well, they raise the level of, you know, what they're accomplishing because they have to, and if and because they have a compelling reason why. And if if we can uh, not have life dictate that level raise, but if we can consciously dictate that level raise because we're coming up with compelling reasons why, then that's a recipe for success. Nice. 
Well, I, I definitely appreciate your investment here because that last statement, I hope they were listening. That was definitely something of great value. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you so much, Jay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. You've been given lots of hints, no direct action. No one says to go and get commercial real estate investing for dummies, but you probably should. Go over to the website, joefairless.com, because you're going to find additional resources, additional podcasts, and you'll probably meet a few more entrepreneurs that can help you on your journey. It has been fun investing more time here with you guys and i do enjoy it thanks for your time thanks for listening and i look forward to talking to all of you guys again soon until next time